Hello and welcome into the 41st episode of the Promo Guy podcast. We are brought to you by Better Odds, a new odds shopping platform coming increasingly soon. I know we've been saying soon for a few weeks or even months, but you know we just want to make sure that we continue to take the feedback that people in my Discord have, have given and, and continue to churn it out. We've already added you know, Hard Rock and Bet365 and Caesars. We've got all that working, the Parlay Builder, and we just kind of keep adding. So uh, honestly, it's increasingly become really the only one I use, and uh, I'm excited to share it with everyone. Nick, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? It's been a fun trade deadline of not huge names, but uh, decently sized names. I've been watching uh, ESPN for the last few hours trickling in in the background, and it's been uh, it's been a fun trade deadline, I think. The Knicks have been pretty active. Yeah. Happy with what they did. Perk said that we were deeper than the Pacific, um, which I, I love to hear. He's a wordsmith. He is a wordsmith. Any, I'm going to say, don't, don't choose the Knicks. Anyone else have a good deadline that stood out to you? You know, honestly, I've just been, I've been working most of the day, like not paying too much attention to that stuff. I do get the, I do get underdog notifications, uh, which I get just anyway. So I have seen a lot of the net deals, but nothing really grabbed my eye other than the Knicks, in my opinion. And again, I, I, you know, this, these NBA trades get so complicated with, contracts and picks and what it means and compensation, whatever, but it seemed to the naked eye, to the untrained eye, as Spolster would say, uh, that the Knicks fleeced the, the Pistons. I mean, getting Bogdanovich without, and Burks, but Bogdanovich without giving up a, a first-round pick feels like a, a heck of a move. Yeah, I mean, it was a great move. You are, I am, as a Knicks fan, kind of sad to see Quentin Grimes go. Um, and it is funny that he was untouchable in the Donovan Mitchell trade talks a few months ago and then gets moved for Bogdanovich. Uh, things things seem to have changed quickly there. And I think that just shows how much depth and how everyone else has been developing on the Knicks. Uh, McBride's been awesome. And it just seems like a lot of these young guys are ready to step up. DiVincenzo has been playing awesome. I'm excited. Uh, what, what year is Grimes? What year is Grimes? I want to say this is his second year, but he might. Right. So I, it probably just shows more than anything, the, the front office's recognition to be more aggressive given, you know, Brunson's been playing so well, Randall's had a really good year, and the Knicks are kind of moving into a more contender time. You you know, you upgrade a young guy for an older guy who's better today, right? Yeah, I mean, they're highlighting that the Knicks are sixth, uh, sixth best chance to win the title in Vegas. Um, it seems like in the six best odds. I believe that. I mean that that may not be true. They were the six team listed. They may have left a few teams out on the graphic that ESPN just threw up. But I would say that depends heavily. I think a lot of what the Sixers did today gives a lot of insight into what they think is going to be the future of Joel Embiid's recovery. Uh, and it seems like they don't think that Joel Embiid is going to be back for the playoffs. You get rid of Patrick Beverly. You get rid of Marcus Morris. Um, you get rid of Daniel House. You at they got rid of Jaden Springer. They sold a lot of small pieces. That doesn't seem like a big deal. But if they think that their stud is back and they're ready to make a playoff push, this is not the way to do it. It seems like they're gathering a few small assets so they can reload for a run next year. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks are now number three in the East. Uh, odds wise. The Knicks are ahead. So I'm looking now. They are ahead of the Sixers. It's Boston almost by a mile. 
then Milwaukee pretty comfortably second, then New York pretty comfortably second, then it's Philly, Miami, and then a big drop to the Pacers. Wait, so after the Knicks, it's Miami, then Indiana? So it's Philly and Miami. It's Philly's right ahead. So it's like, it's kind of tiered. It's like Boston one is its own tier. Milwaukee two is its own tier. New York three is its own tier. Then Philly and Miami are bunched together. Then there's probably the arguably the biggest drop then down to the Pacers. Where on FanDuel, it goes from the Heat at 42 to one to the Pacers mm. at 100 to one for the next Eastern team. Yeah, I mean... It's a weird world we live in where the Knicks actually are a contender. I don't think this has happened in my lifetime. 16 to 1. That's that's not nothing. Yeah, this is a, this is a fun time. Um, I'm excited to see how this plays out. Um, but for now, let's keep it moving. We've got a fun January to talk about. How, uh, how TPG performed top of the year? Yeah, I posted the picket article uh, just going through the results uh kind of high level on that we made 569 dollars this is on twitter uh that was pretty evenly distributed between pre-made boosts and non-pre-made boosts it was kind of an interesting thing so like pre-made boosts being like the FanDuel nba boost for the night versus a non-pre-made boost being here's a 30 percent sgp boost go make something right so Pre-made boosts were up $287. Non-pre-made boosts were up $282. So we kind of did well everywhere. All three books made somewhere around $200. Let's see. DraftKings was up $206. FanDuel up $181. And Caesars up $180. So just a really <laughs> well-distributed thing of profits, which I... I mean, if, if you can draw it up, that's how you draw it up, right? Because some people don't have Caesars, let's say, or some people are limited on DraftKings. Some people have higher maxes on DraftKings. Uh, some people, you know, for whatever reason, only take the pre-made boost. Some people have $50 maxes on the FanDuel boost. Some people have $20 maxes on the FanDuel So, like, because of all that, I love that it was so well distributed because everyone made money. Of course, that's not a, a perfect rule, but... You know, if you only took, if you had, let's say, $1,000 maxes on the DraftKings non-pre-made boost, like you did insanely well. Mm -hmm. If you had $1,000 maxes on FanDuel pre-made boost, you did insanely well. Like everything just did well, which is nice. Um, that doesn't mean that we weren't reliant on a couple hits, which is kind of often the case. We had a one big Caesars hit that was worth $200. So Caesars was about flat, small down. Besides for that hit, DraftKings had two bigger hits. I think one was for 106, one was for 94. Um, but those were ones that didn't have replacements. So it's unlikely. Like I know the Caesars one lasted a while, but who knows? You might have been out of a legal state that day or whatever. So it doesn't mean there isn't always variance with this, but it was about as smooth of a month as, as you could have. Uh, so that was the Twitter stuff. The Discord stuff, like I've mentioned on this podcast before, I didn't hire someone until January 9th, so this is really the last three weeks. And there's always the caveat for MGM that there's more promos than anyone will have. I mean, there's the caveat with all of this stuff, especially when you're dealing with like an MGM or a Bet Rivers, that people are going to be limited or they're not going to have the promo, stuff like that. But I tally it all up just for increase in transparency. And mostly because people would say, oh, MGM's doing terrible. And now I get to show them that <laughs> the ROI was 88% this, this past month. So MGM was up 49.13 units. Great month. Like I said, ROI 87.7%. Kind of, I mean, I don't want to say it's crazy unexpected 
MGM's been insanely good to us now for a while. Really, ever since the bad streak, like I want to say six months ago, it's just been straight fire, uh, as as the kids might say. But most of the promos are like 25% or 50%, you know, to 50% type boosts. So it's, an ROI of 80% is kind of silly. That's something you would expect of, I mean, really of no promos that we have, but like a, a no sweat promo or something where you're dealing with free bets, basically. Because no, no 25% boost is going to get you anywhere near 80% EV. Obviously, there's an outperformance, but still. So the underlying plays did very well, which is great. Uh, so 49 units. Bet Rivers uh, was up just about 23 units in ROI of 56%. For those of you who read my parlay insurance article, I kind of wrote out the EV of a Bet Rivers parlay insurance. It shouldn't be as, I don't remember what the exact number was, but it shouldn't be anywhere near 56%. So kind of another outperformance there that versus what we would expect. Um, I think this was pretty well distributed. Like the plays did pretty well. I, honestly, it's it's got become infinitely easier to do this kind of thing with better odds. Um, shout out to our sponsor, just because like I literally just put in Canby, NBA, I unclick the plus 100 thing and then I, I move the slider over so that it's, you know, let's say minus 180 or higher. And then it just shows me the best plays at minus 300 at, you know, for the odds that I'm kind of targeting. So it's a huge filter out process relative to like another site where you're just, you're, <laughs> you're searching, you know, you don't have that same kind of filtering process. It's not nearly as quick or as easy. So uh, that's been really huge, but 56% ROI, 23 units, which is really good. I mean, MGM, let's be real, a lot of the maxes are $5. Some of them are $25, but a lot of them are $5. And Bear Rivers, it's largely $25 because most, I mean, most of these profits obviously came from the parlay insurance. So, you know, you're looking at almost $600 in profits if everything was $25. I don't know exactly what it was, but a really strong month there. ESPN, uh, plus 14 units, ROI 45.7%. Solid month on ESPN as well. Again, you know, 46% ROI is not something we should be getting used to, even if that's the worst of the three. It was a good month. Uh, I don't know exactly what it'll look like going forward, but I know that the promos that they offer aren't. Well, ESPNs are actually, I mean, you do those parlay protections, right? And you're getting a free bet back a lot of the time. And, you know, if you can find decent odds originally, which is tough, I mean, because a lot of those, you know, really favored odds are not going to be plus EV, but they don't, they don't have a massive impact big wise. You could maybe maybe you could argue that that you could get up near 46 percent, but I wouldn't expect that to, to fully continue. And then bet 365 was down five dollars. ROI sent this to me. So I don't have the data or like his breakdown. He's had recent months where they've been up like a thousand dollars or whatever on there, thirteen hundred dollars. So clearly a down month on Bet 365. I'm not exactly sure what went into it, but you know, down five dollars can't be too bad. If I were putting an ROI on it, I would put it probably pretty close to negative, you know, like half a percent or something. I don't, or not even assuming there's a decent amount of plays there. So that's January. And then I'll quickly do the normal state of the stack for uh, the first week of February. We're a weekend. I'll I'll go back to Twitter. This one's going to be, I don't know if inflated is the right word, but it's going, to, it's going to either look better or worse than how you did, depending on what three-day pick you had, right? Um, because Malik Beasley hitting the plus 500 at a $50, ma- I don't know if max is the right word, min, is, you know, that's $250. So we finish up $193 on the month or the week, 
so a, a lot of that was obviously from Three's Day. Other notable hits were uh, the FanDuel College basketball play and then the the free bet, the $20, like one of those SGP insurance free bets. We hit it at plus 273, which would be uh, plus $54.6, but there was a replacement for that. Like the original one won and there was a replacement for that. It's lost, so it's, it's about half of that. So it was only $27 in the, in the tracking. Uh, so look, I would say if, if you didn't have Beasley and you didn't get, you know, let's say you, you missed Beasley and you didn't get the, the right free bet one, you got the replacement instead of the original, then you're down a little bit, nothing too bad. You know, you're, you're down, say, uh, $80. Not, you know, it, <laughs> I know I'm, I'm, I'm saying this because I know that the FOMO can be there. The tracking is obviously conservative over time. But it's the nature of it. I would say that, you know, don't be discouraged by a down eighty dollar week. And I don't think too many people are. Anyway, uh, the so then the the rest of the, the Discord stuff did well because we had free bets from the threes day back when it was targeted, and we hit them like both for plus seven hundred something. So some really big free bets hit there that were kind of Discord specific, uh, which was really nice. And we we still have a ton of free bets to use. So that's also nice uh, just because this SGP insurance, which ha- which was the largest negative of the first week for Twitter, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm looking here. I think we've got five, so negative 100 in the SGP insurance camp. Uh, so that, that's where most of the losses would be, no matter what else you got. That, you know, that's the primary cause of any drawbacks. But, you know, we get a lot of free bets from that. We, we already hit one and we've got three day free bets to use. So... You know, I'll say hopefully we can keep going. Look, obviously plus 193 is great, but I understand that some people are down. Hopefully those people, or hopefully, I know some people didn't get Beasley, but I understand that if you if you were on kind of the uh, the original play or if you missed it for whatever reason, hopefully you got, you're in the Discord and got the, the free bet from DraftKings from previous three days, or hopefully you got the original on the, so the plus 273, like, you know, whatever, all this stuff ends up evening out. Oh, uh, okay. Then the Discord. Yo! That was a scary noise. Um, the Discord ESPN was up four units. Bet Rivers was up four units. MGM was up three units. So chugging along. Good week for all of those. So we, we have kept those uh, going. I guess MGM's off to a slow start, but I think it's got some bigger plays on the last leg waiting for the Super Bowl. So maybe not. Um, okay. That was a mouthful. Nick. What do we get? What are we talking about next? I want to keep us moving. So I'm glad we had an, a solid month. I'm glad you guys are up a few units so far. Um, but we are heading right into the big thought. Uh, we're talking Super Bowl props. We're talking your favorite props, my favorite props. We'll start with some of the silly ones. You, I mean, my social feed is filled with. Taylor Swift, how many times they're going to show her? What's the color of the Gatorade coin flip? Do you play any of those silly ones? And is there an angle? I know you were excited to drive down to Canada to to bet on Travis Kelsey proposing or not proposing. Not proposing. Is uh, are, are you actually t- putting any of your own money down on any of these uh, gimmicky props? You know, I, I usually go to, or I, I guess I basically always go to a Super Bowl party. Uh, so... You know, I participate in the squares or whatever kind of fun game that that's being done that day. Uh, I don't really bet on any of that stuff otherwise. No halftime show, no national anthem. You're not a heads 
or tails kind of guy. Well, at plus a hundred, I'm gonna do something this year for the coin toss because the DraftKings has plus a hundred each side. So I'll do something because that's fun and you know there's no vig involved. Uh, I don't really feel like betting the Gatorade. I don't get. I mean, I don't know. I don't get that same thrill out of it. Like if I'm gonna be betting something, I want some entertainment value. I have bet on the Anthem before. I don't. I think my friend convinced me that it was whatever, probably some rehearsal thing a bunch of years ago. But I also just find it fun. Like you're just, you got, you got your stopwatch out and you're sitting there listening and, and hoping they go over or under. So I've done that before. I find that fun. I think the coin toss is fun-ish. But I do have a great bet. I don't know if it's a great bet. I haven't looked at it that closely. But you did ask me yesterday to look around and see if there was any stupid halftime, stupid uh, Super Bowl play I liked. And I do have one that I decently like, uh, which is... Final score, this is Canada only. Apologize to all of us. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I, got, I got to work on my, my, my guy I, in I, Canada. Yeah, yeah. we need to start building a stronger Canadian following. No, we need a guy. We need a guy in Canada. There's no doubt because they have fun over there that we don't. Uh, the final score to have occurred as past Super Bowl score. So essentially a non-Super Bowl scoregami. Well, we're bet Right, right, yes. A non-Super Bowl scoregami. I'm curious your thought. What do you think the odds are for yes? And you obviously know that I like it or that it looks good to me. I, I, look, I, this is not an official play, but I think I, I think it's kind of like a no-brainer. I just need to spend more time actually looking. But go ahead. What do you think the odds are for yes? For yes, it is a score a Super Bowl scoregami. No, it's not. So, you know, score, whatever the score is, it'll have happened before in Super Bowl history. Um, I think the odds of that. Should I mean I would probably put it at like one ten. I'm gonna guess that you like it because it's plus two fifty. It's plus four ten. Wow, that feels crazy, right? You just need to. Sorry, the the yes, it needs to. You need to have the score have happened before. So if it's twenty seven to seventeen or whatever common score you you want to think of, which I assume that the Super Bowl's been twenty seven seventeen before, you win. Wow, wow. That's a lot of value, plus 410. Right? I mean, all right, let's play a game. And I haven't prepped you about this, but I, I kind of knew coming into it that I would make you do this. Guess the – oh, it has been 2017. Okay, guess a score. I want you to do 10 scores, right? In theory, our break-even is two to have been Super Bowl scores today. Like, just guess the score, and then I'm going to say if it's happened. So sometimes you can like, try and do it where, like, some of them are weird and some of them are not, just like how – I haven't played. I have. I have them in front of me. I'm, I have every Super Bowl ever. Okay, so you've done. You've you have all these ready to go. Um, thirty-one twenty-one. Thirty. Okay, fine. All right, we'll scrap that whole thing. But thirty-one twenty-one is actually never happened. We can't. We can't do this ten times. <laughs> <laughs> well, how'd you know? No. Anyway, all right, we'll we'll scrap this part. But yeah, and um, I I now have it up too. Um, so now I can just cheat 20 to 16. No, I mean, scrap the, you guessing the different scores, but no, Hank, leave it in. It's fine. It's funny. Um, but yes, I, I love the value more than four to one is, uh, pretty crazy. I mean, just looking at the scores, 27 to 10 covered 27, 17, you know, uh, 35 to 10. Yeah. 24 to three, 14 to seven, 24 to seven. Like you just get every common score yeah look, skimming this you don't get too many repeats now if i was really looking at it i'd be like okay how many times does it repeat 
because that would probably give you a, a decent, maybe not. Let's see. No, there wasn't. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. 20, I mean, I get four of these, right? 23-20 was the year before. I don't know. I often think with Super Bowls, the goal is to have a good time with it. And this is a really fun way. Like, you're not going to know every score, so you're going to have to keep going back and checking. And every score, you're doing all the calculations. If they get a field goal here, I'm safe. If they get a touchdown and they go for two and miss, I'm safe. They, right, fun way right. to bet. You're, you're, you're always alive. That is that is the fun part of you're this You're always bet. alive. And at four to one, it's, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of value. This is, like, perfectly fairly priced. I mean, do I think 110 is off? Like, no, I don't think it should be 110, but you just, I mean, you get 17, 14, you get 21, 10, like you, you just get so many scores. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, that, that would be my, that would be my like fun bet to do if I were in the great white North. Um, I've got a few fun ones. Um, let's see if you see any value in any of these. What about both teams to have a successful fourth down conversion? Where, where do you think that should be priced? Plus. 800 plus 900. Ooh, okay. So not, not that good value. I'm seeing plus 300. Both teams to go for it on fourth and get it is plus 300. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I was thinking of a two-point conversion because I, I usually like see those odds. But yeah, I, I would I would say that's kind of mediocre, but keep going. Um, I feel like I like that the way that both of these teams in the last few weeks have been going for it on fourth. I think the Niners will be very aggressive the way everyone has been playing these Chiefs. Everyone's just scared. Right here. There's actually – so you, you get plus 300. Mm -hmm. So uh, the Chiefs are favored to get one, and the Niners are minus 110, so like 50-50 to get one. So plus 300 would be decent, but I'm thinking that there's some serious negative correlation here because a lot of fourth down conversions would come when you're – down in the fourth quarter right yeah so only one team would be doing it but we've seen in the last few weeks teams against the chiefs have been doing it in the first few quarters i think the ravens went for it on fourth pretty early in the game when lamar had that big run on fourth and one right you, that was nice yeah. you could get some tush push situations i just feel like teams are so afraid of Mahomes on the other sideline that they end up going for it and the chiefs tend to be so sure of themselves offensively that they might end up going for it on, I mean, anywhere. No, you're right. I, I, I thought you were asking about two-point conversions, uh, but just because I see that prop all the time come up on DraftKings, but I, I don't think plus 300 is crazy. I mean, I think I think that's probably about right. What's your next one? Um, any player to score twice is minus 180. Um, I think it, this is hit in six of the last seven Super Bowls. You had Cup scored twice. Uh, Gronk scored twice in multiple Super Bowls. Kelsey scored twice in one Super Bowl. Uh, you had James White scoring twice in the Falcons uh, Patriots comeback Super Bowl. I feel like with the amount of offensive weapons that both teams have, this can hit. Kelsey, CMC has had tw two, I think, each of the last two weeks. Um, what do we think of that at minus 180? Ayuk, Debo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it sounds so weird to have minus 180 on something like that, but I, I mean, it's, it, you make a decent case for it. If it's happened six to the last seven, this is probably the one that's most, that's best set up to have, to have something like that, just because you do have guys that are touchdown machines in, in Kelsey, McCaffrey, Ayuk, 
and Debo, I would say. Yeah, and I think it's just also, I mean, again, with a lot of these, it's about, I mean, I take things because I want to make money off of them, but it's also with the Super Bowl, it's a lot about entertainment value. And the second someone scores, they're now... Right, the second someone scores, it's on. Yeah, the second someone scores, they're now the guy you're rooting for. So you go in, like, I don't care who scores, and McCaffrey and Rasheed Rice both get first quarter touchdowns, so they're now your guys. And in the third quarter Kittle gets one so you're now you now have three guys and three different ways this can hit and it keeps the list keeps growing throughout the game um you get a high scoring game and this is a fun way to watch so yeah um I like that one I've got two more for you one I seriously like um and is less gimmicky and the other um is definitely gimmicky uh what do we think of Rasheed Rice over 66 and a half yards feels a little low for Patrick Mahomes number one option these days uh, I, I have no idea. Is that the one? That's the one you seriously like? Yes, that that is the okay. one I actually like. I can't say I like my other one is the over under jersey number of the first touchdown score. Um, oh yeah, well, which side do you like? Uh, I kind of like the over. I kind of like all. Of, you like over twenty two and a half? Yes, because that includes CMC, Kelsey, Kelsey, Kittle. Right, you get CMC, you get CMC, Kelsey. You get a Kittle. majority of the Chiefs, uh, like you get all their tight ends. So if you get, right, you get Gray, a, Watson, Gray and Watson touchdown, those both hit. Um, I don't think MVS. I think MVS is going to be lower. I think so too. I think he's eleven. Yeah. Okay. We both think that we're probably right. So you don't get MVS. Rice. You essentially don't get Pacheco Rice. Pacheco. Yeah, it's a fun one. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's fun for sure. Is there is there oh McCaffrey's twenty three? Yes. Is that is that why they said it there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a fun one. So you like the over though. You like the favorites to get get the touchdown. Yes. Because you get more people on the under, but you get the McCaffrey and Kelsey basically on the on the over. Yeah, which are the two I would think favorites. Yeah, those are like the first. those are the big. Do- well, I guess Pacheco's favorite over Kelsey, but still cool. All right, that's fun. What do we got next? We have got a quick break. We'll be right back right after. We'll spin the wheel a little bit. We've got some trade deadline stuff going on today, so hoping that hits. And then we will do a quick grind my gears and get out of here. We'll be right back. Nice. Let's do it. All right, welcome back in. Before we hit the wheel of sports, TPG let me know he wants to talk about some EV stuff before we jump in and give it a spin. So, TPG, take it away. Yeah, so I got a bunch of questions about the why I do the soccer SGP insurance place. And it's actually pretty simple. It Basically, DraftKings in their SGP for basketball, football, hockey, they aren't very good with pricing negative correlation stuff in general. So for example, like if I wanted to do, because the best way to do these, and I've, I've written many articles about this, would be, let's say for tonight, I would take the Warriors over 114 and a half points and under 128 and a half, right? So that way, one of them is guaranteed to hit and it's possible that both hit because it could end up in between. And then that way, you're just left with the minus 300 type bet where you either, let's say if you split, which is your worst case on the other ones, then you have minus 300 that you're going to get insurance. So we're just trying to get insurance as much as possible. 
and then hopefully do well with the free bets. So that's sort of the best way to do it. You want a negative correlation pairing, which I've done basically for all of these types of promos since the dawn of time, and then kind of like a minus 300 uncorrelated piece to it. The problem is, like I was saying, DraftKings gives horrible prices for that kind of stuff in any of the stuff that they do SGP pricing for. So for example, my minus 110 that I just went out for the over 114 and a half and then under 128 and a half will be like plus 110, plus 115 maybe on MGM or on another sportsbook. So I don't want us to get crummy odds for the plays we post because we want them to be as plus EV as possible while also following a sensical you know, way to maximize the promo. The thing with soccer is they use MGM's SGP interface. They use Genius. And Genius gives great odds for this type of thing. So that's why you see me doing a bunch of these. I do over corners first half. Generally, especially in like EPL and La Liga, uh, Genius gives good odds for first half corners. And, you know, I mean, just I'm literally just going to go to the first one that I see and this is maybe a little risky, but like four and a half, over four and a half is plus 120 inside the SGP, but outside the SGP, it's minus 105, right? So we're getting good odds on the over first half corners. Then you want to use that, you want to do that negative correlation leg. They have regular odds for total corners. So I do, or, or for an individual team's corners. So I do, especially for the favorite. So I do an under, you know, a minus 300-ish under for total corners. Uh, today in the Liverpool match, I did the over three and a half which was minus 295, under 12 and a half, which was minus 255. Get good odds for that. And I, I always compare it to, I look at Penny, not that they have the SGP, but I look at Canby's SGP. We're always getting, uh, at least on the ones I post, obviously not every single iteration works, better odds than like what Canby would have. And then I do a, a minus 300 type leg. Um, I think for the Liverpool game, I did the, their opponents under first half goals, which was minus 290, which was the best minus 300-ish price I could find. So that's why I do soccer plays for all this. I got a bunch of questions on that. It's really because they use Genius, who gives good odds for negative correlation stuff. And negative correlation stuff is the best way to attack this promo. And frankly, like the math is very strong on that, which makes sense. You want to, you know, you, you want to guarantee two legs. You can't guarantee them, but you can guarantee one, give yourself a good ch chance at a middle, plus have a minus 300 leg. So your odds of getting insurance are very high. And if you don't get insurance, you'll usually win. So the first day, there were no soccer stuff up just because they were on a break or something. So I had to use an MBA. It lost. We didn't get insurance ever since I've just done soccer. And uh, the more I look at it, the more clear it is. Like I put people, I show people in the Discord, like I, I really have, look, I do look at the other sports, but like a plus 218 on DraftKings was plus 265 on MGM. And it's like, that's why I'm not using, that's why I'm not using this uh, because I want to follow the best strategy possible for the SGP insurance. Okay. Uh, so that, that was the first thing I wanted to talk about and I'm forgetting the second thing. So we will come back to it and why don't we go on to the wheel sports? Yeah. Yeah, let's jump right in. On the wheel today, we have NBA trade deadline recap. We've got NFL new staffs. We've got concern in Milwaukee. And we've got Orioles trade for Corbin Burns. Oh, that doesn't come up. I did not put up <laughs> that at all. Uh, let's, let's give it a spin. All right, Ian, wow, what do you know? We're Orioles talking NBA better. trade deadline. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't even know where you want to start. I'll let you jump in first. We talked a little bit of Knicks already. We talked a little bit of Sixers already. Where Where do you want to go? What do you think of? Who, who do you think had the best deadline? 
I, I mean, it has to be the Knicks, right? They're the only one that got a legit player, and they didn't have to give up a legit player or a first-round pick. So I think I have, in ter- especially in terms of contenders, I have two others that I think were just about on par. Yeah, go ahead. Bob's closer than I have. I think that the Thunder did very well, but they didn't add any legit big men. I think Chet, I, I watched like two weeks ago, I had a bet in on the Thunder playing the Pistons, um, and I watched Jalen Duran just absolutely rip them apart. And granted, there aren't a ton of very big Jalen Duran types that are just pure paint presences uh, in the NBA these days, but the best teams do have... If, you, if you're the Thunder and you need to get through Jokic and your number one way of stopping Jokic is throwing Chet at him when I'm he weighs half of what he weighs yeah. I just I, you I can't believe they didn't go out and find someone especially when the Celtics got rid of two second round picks and brought back Xavier Tillman like go, just go get a backup big that is 611 250 and like somebody that actually has some muscle and weight on them that can play against Jokic. I mean, the Thunder have a real chance of making some noise. I just, I don't understand. They have 19 picks in the next five right. drafts. You can't go out and spend two second round picks to bring back Xavier Tillman. You can't go spend a first round pick and bring back Clint Capella. Like go get somebody who could play defense. Yeah. I was going to say it's, it's funny the way the league has evolved because in a lot of ways, you know, it's moved towards you got to be able to shoot in the perimeter and all that. And that's very true. But there are a lot of just, you know, I think Harden gets a lot of the credit for this. There are a lot of rim running bigs, you know, 6'11", 7 foot guys that are there to block shots, catch lobs, offensive rebound, and kick it back out to shooters. And I, I give the credit to Harden because a lot of the D'Antoni stuff always did rely on you know, uh, you run that pick and roll, and then it's basically impossible to stop the lob threat without having a guy near the rim. And then Harden can just operate in that sort of mid-range, but really to the paint area. And it, and it requires getting paint touches, people help. You can't really help off of, you know, Capella. And then he kicks out to shooters, right? Mm-hmm. So there are a ton of those guys actually out there these days who really have no skill. I mean, maybe they have some post skill, but I mean, you just go through it. It's like Zubats, Valanciunas, and Capella. You mentioned Tillman and whatever. I could go on. Most teams in the league actually have a guy like this. So I agree. I somewhat agree with you that it's it's almost necessary in today's game, especially when you have the Embiid's and Jokic's out there that are very skilled and primary scoring guys. You know, Drummond is another name that was kind of one of the earlier guys. This Cleveland's got Jared Allen. I mean, some of them are better yeah. than others, but there are a ton of these just rim-running guys and, and paint-protecting type guys where you can funnel the defense to the big and, and it, you, you almost force guards to take mid-range shots on the other end because you just have a guy almost sitting there and you, don't, you can't help off shooters anymore like you used to be able to do. I mean, the paint used to be so packed because you, weren't, you didn't have to worry about the four-man shooting. But the five-man, you, you barely, barely ever see teams go five out. So I, I agree with you. Chet's not 
big enough to handle a Jokic and a Bede, and that it's almost a necessary evil. I mean, Minnesota, they have Gobert, who's one of the best versions of this, just an unskilled big that's a fantastic defender, great around the rim, good offensive rebounder. But yeah, there's a physicality upgrade that's coming in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I, and I like the I like their move. I like that they went out and got Gordon Hayward and that didn't have to give up any real draft compensation. I, I, I've it. watched very little of Charlotte basketball. Is he any good anymore? Well, he hasn't been playing, so I don't think anybody knows. But if he gets back right, to the way when he... Was the last time, when was the last time we saw him? He was playing at the beginning of the season. He was on my fantasy team. and I, I he's, Was he any good at the beginning of the season? He was good enough that he is still in my entered reserve. Um, I, wow. Okay. I, yeah, he, he, uh, he put up a lot of like he's become a stats sheet stuffer where he's getting the five rebounds five assists he's the kind of guy that i feel like does a lot of the small things um and i think is a good addition especially to a team that could use a veteran presence yeah my things i love i love those okc wings like Jalen williams uh like those guys who door like those guys shoot the crap out of the ball and you have giddy and shea who are good at getting it to him so i just i think that's a tough rotation to crack but i don't know uh, anyway, keep going. Another fun one is Dallas brought another piece for uh, Luca to play with. Oh, uh, they this. bring in PJ Washington. Yeah. They weren't really using Seth Curry too much, and Grant Williams wasn't getting really strong, consistent minutes. I think he was getting less than 20 a night. Uh, so you get rid of two guys that weren't playing a lot. You have to throw in a first-round pick uh, in 2027, and you bring back PJ Washington, a pretty legitimate NBA starter. What do we think of that move? And does this vault Dallas? Well, they, and they got Gafford. Yeah, too. that was super quiet. I think Dallas has leaned into a lot of the stuff that I was just saying, which is, I mean, Derek Lively is a phenomenal version of that, you know, rim running big guy that I was just talking about. Super athletic, smart guy, uh, you know, sets good picks, like just does all that stuff. And he's, he's really tough. Gafford's in the same mold. He's not as athletic as Lively, but he's just really smart solid guy who and Luca like Luca you have Luca Kyrie you just have to surround him with one of those bigs so now they have Lively and Gafford and then three and D type guys right because no one else needs to be able to create I guess you have like Hardy coming off the bench who's who's pretty good but Luca and Kyrie can get anywhere on the court that they want the biggest threat to them is space they, they you just need to have space for those guys and the bigs and defense behind them, obviously. And a guy like Lively creates that. Gafford, I think that's like a really good one-two big man punch. And then you have Washington. Uh, didn't I see they got? Oh no, that was the Suns that got Royce O'Neal. But but uh, did they get DFS? No, they didn't. But they they have some pretty good. Whenever I've watched, they've got some pretty good three and D guys there now. And they kind of went away from that mold last year. But uh, I think it's great. I think they're. I mean, look, Luke and Kyrie are not an ideal pairing defensively obviously there's only one ball and neither of them are like they're both really good shooters but neither of them like thrive in a catch and shoot role but i think they're starting to surround them with a roster that makes sense yeah pj washington fits uh, into i'm that. with you i'm with you i think that's a really it's what they maybe thought that christian wood could have been a forward that can create his own shot that can play some defense um and can also just kind of be a spot-up shooter around those guys and fill in some of the gaps. So I love that move. Yeah, all he'll ever need to do is catch and either shoot or... Attack a closeout. Or attack a closeout. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he's someone who, who as long as he's cool being in that role, like, would be great at that. And, you know, KD's insanely good. So it's kind of a weird thing to say. 
But that was the one thing that KD was doing that Harrison Barnes didn't do that made him unstoppable was he was a better catch-and-shoot guy, but also, like, one dribble from the wing, and if you close out a little bit wrong, he's just dunking. Like, he, his dunks were so back-breaking on that team. And I think that the Mavs, mm-hmm. not that they're exactly like the Warriors or anything, but you kind of have, like, those central figures that can shoot. You have the loony type and lively, and then you have wings that can catch, shoot, and then, you know, like you said, Washington can put it on the deck a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm i with you. I love that move. We're getting tight on time, so I'll sa- I'll take us right to Grinds My Gears um, and see what's got you fired up this week. I even came prepared with one this week. So uh, what you got? You know what really grinds my gears? Grind My Gears is also the worst beat of the week. So they, they kind of go together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Grinds My Gears is soccer okay. and what they do with stoppage time. Is this a soccer-heavy podcast all of a sudden? Apparently it is. You know what? Nobody's done more to grow the game than since Landon Donovan. Because <laughs> Landon Donovan did a lot. But since him, nobody's done more than me. I got all these Americans watching soccer every day. But what grinds my gears when I'm watching soccer is I never know how much time is left. So we lost the bet the other day that we ended up getting insurance, but we would have hit the bet. All we needed was under one and a half goals in the first half. And through 45 minutes just the time on the you know on the board or whatever there were zero goals so we're looking pretty good then they said because player the fans were throwing stuff on the field they added 9 minutes of stoppage time which is a ton but i understand the theory which is instead of stopping and starting the clock we're going to keep a mental note of of <laughs> how, you know how many interruptions we've had and try and put that back okay fine so then they say nine minutes of stoppage time are being added. And to me, that's always been somewhat ironclad, right? Because you don't then say, oh, well, in those nine minutes, I mean, obviously someone like fakes an injury if someone gets hurt or something a little bit, but you know, it's been it's somewhat ironclad. All of a sudden, there's a goal in the eighth minute of stoppage time. Like, ah, that sucks, but like, you know, the half's about to end, you know, the half's about to end. There's not gonna be another goal. It takes a while for them to just pick up the ball and put it back in the middle and sell after they celebrate. Okay. Five minutes later, in the, the end of the 13th minute, there is another goal. <laughs> so I'm like, you, we, 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 this is a society. We have rules. And if you're going to go five minutes over for whatever reason, I understand they let them play out the final possession, which I, I still think is annoying. Like, if there's a, there should be a 3-2-1, and you have to try and kick it into the goal, in my opinion, in a buzzer that goes off. Because I don't know. These players don't even know, like, if the ref's going to blow the whistle or not, like it's kind of a weird situation to play in as a player, but also like, what's the point of having clock if the refs are just going to approximate everything. And I'm mostly just mad that we lost our bet. Cause it's a stupid way to lose a bet in the 13th minute of first half stoppage time when there was only plus nine added, not to mention the first goal came at the plus eight. So that's what really grants my gears this week. It's also our bad beat of the week. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been there before, you hate to see unless you're on the over it does feel very subjective it does feel very different ref to ref uh it and i feel like it's gotten more ridiculous over the last few years i mean the 13th minute yeah when you're going plus 13 and the they show plus eight and you're like okay hit the eight we're good to go i mean it's just a yeah like let's get out of here yeah it's a brutal experience as a gambler my grind, my gears was just Super Bowl pricing. I live in LA and gave it a quarter of a second of thought of doing the drive to 
to Vegas and potentially going to the game. And yeah, I don't really think I'm going to be spending $15,000 and all the, the get in price that you're seeing on all these Instagram posts that are like, Oh, the get in price is $7,000. That's what they're sold for by the stadium. At this point, everything is secondary. So to get into the game at this point, you're spending a lot more than $7,000. Your, your get in price is a lot closer to 15, 16 K and that's for a terrible seat. So I think it's ridiculous. The NFL gives away so many tickets to their sponsors and to their the t- other teams in the league and the teams in the game and the host team. And there's such a small percentage of tickets that get given to the public that it just feels uh, not that fan serving. Um, but I'm excited for the game. I think we'll end this episode with a quick answer. Who's going to win the game? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> what do you think? No, 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 no. I'm not you don't want to give a prediction? I, I'm, oh, I'm all over the Chiefs. I think that you're – I think it's insane to bet against the greatest quarterback of our generation. So I'm on the Chiefs. Um, I've been on the Chiefs. This has been a fun playoff run, um, and I think they had another Super Bowl. I think that there is a almost 50% chance that you're right. <laughs> I don't know. Um <laughs> Yeah, cool. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Nick. Uh, If you are in the Discord, uh, well, first off, I want to thank everybody that signed up using my links, whether it was for Fanatics in New York, uh, uh, Bet365 in in Arizona, uh, or, you know, for whatever other link you use. We have thousands of dollars to work with for giveaways. I've been doing $250 giveaway for every little thing in the Discord. Like, every day I have a new $250 giveaway. Um, just to get through again, thousands of dollars. I think it's over 2k that we have to give away. So thank you guys for doing that, but also make sure to do the giveaways. I think it's, it's all, they're all Super Bowl prop related. So I think it'll be really fun just having, you know, 10 things to root for where you can win 250 on, on, you know, any given one of them, or I guess multiple, but that feels optimistic. Although there are people that have won like three, four giveaways and I'm like, how, why are you so good at this? But anyway, uh, thanks for joining me, Nick. And thank you all for listening and have fun with the Super Bowl. All right, see you guys.